Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And Cindy is feeling like a Lions fan right now. I am beat up. I can tell you that. She is, uh, she has a hectic schedule, guys. She's very, very, um... That's one way to put it. She's on the road again. She's like Willie Nelson. That's right. On the road again every day, every day. But just like Willie Nelson, he stops at Wild Bill's Tobacco, which I'm sure you did, too. Uh, I sure would. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If I was into if I was into those products, I would absolutely. That's the only place I'd go, actually, mm-hmm. and I could do it anywhere because they've got 150 locations through the entire Metro Detroit, Michigan area. Exactly. So you'd be, yeah. you'd be good when you. I'd be good to go. You'd be good to go. Yeah. Listen, we have to get to the kind of misnomer about Dan Campbell and what the media is saying about him. Yeah, I don't. Uh... I don't think you're liking what the media is saying about Dan Campbell. No, you know, it's it's different because, like, you know, a lot of times I like to agree with Villani because he's, he's got a good opinion on things sometimes. He was off the chain the other day. But then there's sometimes where he just sounds so stupid and ill-informed. And there's also a, a certain amount of people that are, that are you know, not informed good enough. You know, like I, I, ter- I see uh, YouTube clips of a certain network – Talking about the Lions should have signed Deshaun Jackson. I mean, is Deshaun Jackson going to come here? Hell no. And would it have even mattered? I don't even think so. We don't have a we don't have a quarterback that can throw that far. Exactly. What's <laughs> the point? So did, and it, the good the only thing that he can do is run deep routes, and you don't have a quarterback that can throw deep routes, so that doesn't matter. Well, and all Goff did was run the ball the other day anyway. He didn't even throw the ball. Well, now they blamed it on the weather. And his strained oblique or whatever. Yeah. Which he said he should have took himself out of the game instead of staying in a game. Well, and I mean, some in the press are saying, to your point, that maybe Dan Campbell isn't ready for the NFL because he didn't make the command decision to make Goff sit, and he should have. Yeah, but you know what I say to that is people kind of forget that David Blau, who is, was the backup quarterback at Pittsburgh, the last time he was in, he fumbled the ball twice. Yeah. So you you expect him to come into bad weather, hold on to the ball. He he had two fumbles in dry weather, you know. <laughs> yeah. What's gonna <laughs> happen in in um inclement weather? Probably nothing better. And that's that's the re- that's the reason that they were running the ball because it looked like it was pretty brutal out there at Pittsburgh, yeah. and they had to run the ball to. I mean. You wouldn't catch me dead in that weather, by First the way. First of all, Jared Goff... You couldn't pay me enough Jared to be Go- in that weather. Jared Goff has a problem with fumbles, too. So, it's not like either one of the quarterbacks can hold on to the ball really, really well. He needs some Velcro out there. He needs bigger hands. 
<laughs> well, you know, they're talking about Tim Boyle supposed to be in uh, practicing on it, Wednesday. Jared Goff is uncertain for this week. Right, which I don't know if that necessarily matters, although... You know, Campbell's sticking by his guy. He's saying he's still the best chance that they have. But, you know, I kind of liked his rationale. If you listen carefully to his rationale, and that is until they build up what's around him, it really doesn't matter. I think it was the point that Dan Campbell was making. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Dan, I feel people are judging Dan Campbell. Like, he, that team around him that he's, he inherited mm-hmm. is pretty freaking bad. But the one thing I could say about Dan Campbell that, that, that he's doing right is you got all these young players who were picked off this, you know, UD, you know one, a couple were undrafted free agents. Yeah. A lot of them were free agents. Like the guy who made the big fumble in the in the in the game was uh, Gilbert, and he was a free agent, and they picked him up just recently. And then a guy who almost got one of the interceptions in overtime, they just picked up with this week. You know what I think would make an interesting game, honestly. Again, I think I've said this before, but put the Lions up against either Michigan or Michigan State. Well, Michigan, Michigan State would get their ass kicked. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You got pro, you got pro players on, on both sides of the ball. They're pro players. so. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think you got some potential pros coming up, but I don't know. I just think it would be an interesting matchup just to see what would happen. Not only to test the Lions, but to see what Michigan or Michigan there's, State could do. The Lions are really, really bad team. I feel like Dan Campbell's yeah. getting a little bit of a... People are judging him based on how he has to play the game. I just don't think it's right. I think I think that they're judging him based on like they think that he has like this talented roster. And I mean, well, I, I don't think anyone's making the argument he has a talented roster. I don't think anyone's making that that claim. But I'm saying like people are judging him like he's got players that he can actually count on. You know? Yeah. The one thing you can say about Dan Campbell right now is that he's he has a pl- players prepared to play. They fight hard. They are not the most talented group, but they somehow find ways to keep themselves in games that they should not be in. Well, you know, an article in The Athletic recently stated that, you know, the one thing Dan Campbell has is that he's got the trust of his team. His team trusts him. They like him. They play hard for him. And can you imagine, you know, that's with a talentless roster. Look how well they've been able to do. Can you imagine what would happen if you got some talent? Well, we and talk- you got guys who are going to stick around because the guys right now aren't going to be out around, but yet they still play hard for this coach. Can you imagine having a roster where the guys are actually invested and are going to stick around a while and what Dan Campbell could do with that? Well, we talked about this with Blashville and Dwayne Casey. Is like They had bad rosters, but the players played hard for them, and they, they stayed in games they really shouldn't have had a shot to stay in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how you know you have a good, a good coach. In any sport, is if they're staying in games that they really shouldn't. You know, one of the things that we both like about AJ Hinch is that he gets the most of his players that he possibly can. Yeah. So when the talent goes up, he's gonna be even better because he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna get the most out of the most talent that he has. Yeah. So I think that Dan Campbell is actually taking advantage of a great opportunity right now, even with a. And I hate to say talentless roster. I don't think it's talentless. I think DeAndre Swift's got a tremendous amount there's of talent. Some, some, he's got some talent on there. Some, nice tool. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's got some there, talent there's there. There's some talent, but it's not enough to win in the NFL. Well, and that might be the case, but I think what's good is that Dan Campbell is using this time and opportunity to refine you know, his craft yeah, yeah, his and his coaching are. skills and his systems and all of that kind of thing. So I think that it's actually an invaluable opportunity for professional development for Dan Campbell to be prepared when he does get some talent. I put it this way. You know, it's a lot different. You know, when you give your kid a car, right? 
you give them a you give them a beater and you're like okay if you that's right if you crash this you're lost no big deal it was 500 bucks yeah it's a 500 car right whatever i'd rather him make mistakes now with the 500 car than when he goes and gets a lease you know right he goes crashes the trans am yeah yeah, he he goes and he he crashes a brand new ram or the brand new you can tell i just you can tell i just totally divulged my age there because back when i was <laughs> when i was a teenager and young person my transams were the thing now they're not even around so cindy's like back in my day back in my day way <laughs> back in the good old days when you know and even still you know Smoking did they the have yeah well of course Smokey and the band and of course you know but um Back in, you know what always amazed me, and I still see it today, regardless of age. This is a little bit off the football topic, and I know more of like the kids of today kind of thing, and even the kids of yesterday. But you always had those kids. I don't know about you, but I was the kid who had the $300 beater car, yeah. right? My parents were smart that way. There were these parents, what are they thinking, to give these kids these brand new sports cars, no less, Trans Ams, Camaros, whatever it was back in the day, muscle cars. Why would you give these kids these brand new cars they're 16 years old for their 16th birthday they get the car with the big bow on it why in the world would you do that and i see even kids today you know now they're different vehicles that they're getting but but heck now kids are getting like lexuses and cadillacs mercedes yeah i mean i'm thinking to myself first off back in my day a kid that age wouldn't be caught dead in one of those cars that was grandpa's car right but like seriously even you're you know 20 years younger than me but did you do you you had those kids right in school oh, yeah, yeah. who got the brand new and car at sixteen? What what are they thinking? I know from my my girlfriend's sister, like she's talking about her friends got brand new cars. I'm like, and her parents are like, why would you give a kid that age a brand new car? Right. Like, and it, you can tie this to sports too. Why would you give a rookie coach a to, top line a top team? It's like yeah. it's like the Brad yeah. Ausmus effect when he played right. with the when he was the manager of Tigers. Like they gave him the keys to the, the Ferrari. And he crashes it. It's like, what do you think was going to happen? He's going to make rookie mistakes. The the kids that are driving those expensive ass cars. That's right. They're going to make the stupid decisions. They're going to they're going to get speeding tickets. They're going to crash the car. God forbid they don't get hurt. But that's the way. That's the way it is. You give. I like that Dan Campbell is getting his craft. Yep. And he's he's you know he has a $500 beater and he's 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 got a lighter uh, lighter to you know defrost his windows <laughs> <laughs> I never had to do that My mom told me she had to do that with one of her cars yeah Oh, but you know what? I, I I had some that didn't have windshield wipers that worked right, so you had to take your hand and stick it outside yeah, the windshield that, and wipe what, it on. That's what Dan, yeah, Cam, that's what Dan do Campbell's. That. That's what Dan, doing. Dan Campbell's he's, doing. He's like, okay, yeah. I, I got to get the rain off the windshield. Right. Why is this car shaking? This is weird. But, right, right, right. You know, the, the lions. As so long as it does the basics, right. it goes and it stops. It goes and it stops. <laughs> that's what the lions are. Right it now. steers. They, that's they, it. They just they are the basic five hundred dollar car that you get at the. That's right. You know, you get off the B lot or something. Right, right. And we're working our way up to, hopefully, moving into the mid-range. That's the other thing. I don't think people should expect the Lions to turn this around in a year. Even if Dan Campbell gets really good at what he does, it's going to take years. So, you know, Steve Eiserman said that about the Red Wings, and I think it applies here, too. See, in football, It's, it's going to take several years, in though, In football, still. it's a little bit different because if you get one guy, right, like, in this draft, they got coming up. They got Kayvon Thibodeau, who's the number one overall pick that they, they presume is going to be the number one overall pick. And he's very, very talented. Very, very talented. So if you get a guy like him, and then you hit on your second first-round draft pick, 
I mean, that's you could basically give it a little jump. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get good quick. You're not gonna be Super Bowl level quick, but you're gonna be good enough yeah. to kind of stay in game. Be competitive. So be competitive. Right now, the Lions they're just they're just it's all hard work. Well, that's so all it is. If we're talking about cars, here's what I see happening. Right, we got the five hundred dollar beater this year. Next year, I think he's going to move up to like the mid range, like maybe four to eight thousand dollar car. Right, yep. still it looks a lot better driving around. Everything works on it, but it's a little older. Maybe it isn't quite yep. exactly. You know, it's not top shelf. And then. That third year, now you move into all right. Now we're lock, looking at like twenty, twenty-five grand. We're looking good. Yeah. Maybe a couple years old. Good car. Then after that, you know, you're in the top line. You're in the Ferraris, the Lamborghinis. You're yeah. your top level. You so always... I think it's going to be a three, four-year deal. I appreciate what you're saying, Joe, but I still think it's still going right. to take a good amount of time. I think in NFL, though, you can move. You can move really, really quickly and get better really, really quickly. I think. Well, that... we've been waiting this long. Well, you know, what difference does a couple more years make? And this, this is what I go back to. You know, the thing about the Lions is throughout their history, they have never had a guy like Jim Delano, a guy like uh, Dave Dombrowski. Mm -hmm. They have never had uh, 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 Steve Eisman, Ken Holland. You know, those guys were elite general managers who made very, very good decisions on player personnel. That's one thing the Lions have always lacked. And I think Brad Holmes can be that guy. He's going to get the talent here to be competitive. I like I go back to what Ken Holland said in his Hall of Fame speech. You know, mm -hmm. like when he came into the Red Wings, right? He had Devilano, he had uh, a couple other guys that were. He was in the Harvard of hockey. He called it. Yeah. Where he learned so quickly what what it was that what it took to be a, a champion in NHL and what it took to be a champion as a general manager and what it took to find those rare talents and he that's. And he learned from the Devilano, and then he said, and then you know Steve Eisman, he said the same thing. He learned from Ken Holland. That's how great general managers become about. The problem is, who's Brad Holmes going to learn from? Well, he's got John Dorsey in his staff. John Dorsey was a very, very good general manager, and he's built some pretty good teams like the Chiefs and the Browns. He obviously didn't get to live it out because he didn't get big enough window to make the decisions. But that Cleveland team he built in Cleveland was they're, they're a really good football team and that's who the Lions play this weekend which I don't think is going to be good so well I I don't know how you can argue anything is going to be good with them I just think I mean the tie you know and it's funny because that tie game I remember we were watching the game and as soon as they missed that point we said that's it they're going to lose by a point and well close enough they because tied. that made the difference they, they made the tie yeah uh, but it's, yeah it's, it's still crazy that they, could have been the first win it's still crazy in the NFL that they tied they, 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 they don't yeah. they, they don't have a game. What's up with that? Well, I here's here's the thing. I wanna think we'll end the segment and I wanna ask you this question. What's the one change? If you had to make one change, it could be a game changer for the Lions next season. What's the one thing they have to change? Is there one position they have to hire? Is there one thing they need to do differently? What's the one thing you would say that ha that has to change in order for the Lions to be competitive? You next have year? to nail your first overall pick. Because they're probably going to get the first overall pick. I mean, that's a, that's a foregone conclusion unless they start winning games, which, I mean, that'd be pretty nice too. But um, they still have a lead on a bunch of other teams for the first overall pick. But you got to nail your first overall pick. I think what Steve Eisman said, uh, Steve Eisman said this, and I, I go back to this. He goes, you know, when you're picking in the top 10, it's predominantly you must pick a guy who is going to be a difference maker and a guy who can lead a franchise. Because if you don't, if you don't make that pick, 
I mean, then you're you're hoping that the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round guys become that, and that's that's a bigger ask for them, you know. Well, I'll tell you what I think. The one thing they have to do is they have to nail down a quarterback. Yeah, this they got to nail a quarterback. This, this draft doesn't really have a quarterback, that's yeah. a, but they can. Well, they're gonna have to trade for it or something. But I think they have got to get that position nailed down. I don't think the rest of it's gonna come together for them if they don't. Yeah, I think I think. Jared Goff has been absolutely brutal, and yeah. I, I think that if him getting Josh Reynolds, he's going to get Josh Reynolds this week, but he's probably not going to play. I think that could be a little bit of a bump, but, you know, Jared Goff's problem has been his own self. That's been the biggest problem with Jared Goff. Yep, and I don't think we can wait for him to get over himself either. I, I think we've got to make a change there. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Next thing, maybe we'll be talking the Red Wings, the actual winning organization, Woo! who actually... Uh, has good leadership, but they need to find one more. Welcome to Cindy and Joe show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. We say that all the time because we are your hometown team. And we don't want you to get confused, you know, thinking that I'm Joe and he's Cindy. Listen, I'm, I'm the uglier one. <laughs> well, now, I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> we. Ha- <laughs> Thank you. You're not really. No, you're a good looking dude. We have women call up all the time or contact us and think they want to get a hold of that big old teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. You know what I really want to get a hold of? Who? A second leader for the Red Wings. Because they need it. I'll tell you what. They are a totally different team when Dylan Larkin isn't there. They put a lot of stock into building up Dylan Larkin into a leader, and I think they've done well. But I think he needs backup. You know, I look at I look at it like this. I, I remember I was watching something that you would kind of be interested in. It's called Man in the Arena, Tom Brady. But, oh, of yeah, course I'd yes. be interested he, in Tom yeah, Brady. Yeah. He talked he talked about how he, when he won all his championships that he had a guy on the other side of the ball who thought the same way he did. And then there was a special teams guy who thought the same way he did. The Rebels need a guy who can be just like a, the secondary leader on that that forward group. Well, that's exactly it, you know, because I think they have quite a few options if they needed one mm-hmm. in among the demon. Yeah. I think you've got a couple guys who could the step Kaiser. up. You've got DeKaiser, Letty, Stahl. I mm-hmm. think any one of those guys could step up. I don't know how, now how which of those guys thinks similarly to Dylan Larkin, but I think that they all bring a veteran presence and they could all definitely step into a leadership role. Yeah, so, you know, I was listening to the man in the arena and, and, and one thing Tom Brady said that resonated with me and then I watched the Redmond game and I saw that Dylan Larkin left in the sec, uh, third period. Yeah, how they, bizarre was that? It was so bizarre. I was like, how does that even happen? Yeah. Like, how do you, how does he just... Like, did his COVID results just come in that's in what they, two that, periods? That, that's what they said. Oh my yeah. God. I was like, I was like, how how... Bad is that that your COVID? I mean, the guy was on ice with for two periods, but all these <laughs> right. guys sitting on right. a bench with all these guys. I'm like, that's not a good thing. That's yeah. definitely not a good thing. But I was like, I was watching the Man Arena before I watched the hockey game, right? Yeah. And they were Tom. It was Tom Brady, and he was he was like, he's like, you know, when I won all my championships, I had a guy like, uh, 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 uh. uh Wes Walker, right? Mm-hmm. I had a guy like Julian Edelman. I had a guy like Gronk, you know, that always, they thought the same way I did. And they would, if I if I wasn't, you know, able to speak to the team, they would speak for me. Right, right. And I was, Then I watched the rubbing game and I saw Dylan Larkin was out in the third, third period and they looked a little bit disjointed and they didn't look, they didn't look Yeah, like they the didn't know like they team. knew quite what to do and without when, Larkin And there. when Dylan Larkin was out with those personal issues that he had, uh, yeah. uh, which didn't seem that good, but... 
when he was out with those personal issues, they didn't look like the same team either. And they they need that leader that can step up when Larkin isn't there. Well, yeah, because it's clear that they struggle. Yep. They struggle when Larkin isn't there. And so, you know, if we're looking at among the forwards and we're saying, okay, who could possibly step up and possibly fill that role? I think, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, Nemetsnikov's been doing great as far as personal performance. And I said, by the way, he would be a, have a breakout year. And I said it well before the season started that he was the guy to watch. And look, now he's second in points. And he's doing everything right. Everything I said he was going to do right, he is. Right? He's a playmaker. He's handling the puck well. He's scoring. He's even creating some defense. I mean, the guy can do pretty much anything, um, which... By the way, hi, Vlad. You know I'm a big fan. And, um, you know, I've had a really great conversations with him in the past, She too. knows a lot of people, guys. Yeah, every now and then, you know. But um, I've just had some great opportunities, and um, he's also a heck of a nice guy. But the one thing when I brought his name up to you, because, of course, I think he's great, um, you said, well, you know, I'm not sure he's a little too quiet. I'm not sure he's yeah. quite got that kind of – and I think you might be right there. I mean, I his just demeanor, his personality, mm-hmm. um, not so sure he's the – the guy that can encourage people to follow him, maybe. Right. But so who do we have? That begs the question. So who is there among the forwards currently? Who would be your go-to for number two, Joe? It's tough because, you know, I really want to say Tyler Bertuzzi. But I know, I know, like, you know, you've met him before. Right, and I've talked to Tyler. Yep, absolutely. He doesn't display, yeah. like, the leader type of capabilities that, you know, you're a leader. Yeah. You know, you, you, there's certain things that a leader shows when they talk. Yeah. Tyler's too um, nice. <laughs> leader's got to be uh, ferocious. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, they have to be assertive. Yeah. And the thing is that Tyler is just, he's scrappy on the ice, and that's great. But off the ice, you know, he's just not that kind of a guy. And that's not a bad thing. It's right. just who he is. And I think it would be difficult for him, although the guys like him. He's obviously a performer. There's certain guys that can't be that leader you know yeah there's certain guys that can't be that you know like like i everyone always says you know like we, we talk about it all the time I and mean, he used to be a former lion and he's a great guy right but matthew stafford yeah is he a does he lead the team and showing how tough he is and how how much heart he shows in the football field without a doubt yeah but there's a portion of that you have as a leader where you have to kind of be assertive Stafford's kind of like Bertuzzi. He's a little bit of a nice guy, you know. He doesn't really, he doesn't really want to ruffle feathers, right? Except, He's, except on the playing surface. They're great team players, though. right? These guys are just—they have that tremendous, great team player. But as far attitude. as a leader, like, like, yeah. like a leader, like, uh, I don't like, like Michael Jordan, right? Right. That guy was like, listen, if you don't play my way, get the hell off the team. You know, Tom Brady, the same way. Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, all those guys. Steve Eisenman was another one. Sidney Crosby. Those guys that have won things, they all have the same gene pool. As they kind of they show with their play, but they're assertive when they talk. Right. You kind of take notice of when they talk, and Bertuzzi's not that guy. No, I, you know, and I think you should go through. I mean, I like Robbie Fabry. I don't think Robbie Fabry's the guy. Um, you know, one of the people that I was thinking of, and, and let me throw this one out to you. What do you think about a potential maybe Adam Ernie or Gagne? See, I, I agree with the Gagne. He's, yeah, there's a veteran presence he's, there. He's been there before, yeah. um, but he's got to be he's got to be playing every day to do that. You know, yeah. um, 
I mean, but now we're getting down into like the fourth line, you know what I mean, looking for that guy. But I mean, if we look at the at the Red Wings historically, right? Mm-hmm. So we look back to like when Nick Lidstrom was captain. You know, we, he he had Pav, he had um, you know, um uh, Zetterberg, right? So he had a couple of guys that could back him up. When Steve Eiserman was captain, you know, he had a couple of guys. Shandy yep. could step up. Yep. Even, you know, Darren McCarty yep. could even step up into that role Drapes. need be. Drapes, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, he he even had kind of his, his lieutenants on the ice, if you will. And I just think that Larkin doesn't have that quite right now. At least nobody who's identified right, themselves right, right, as yeah. being that kind of well, guy. Well, it kind of shows because, you know, like, you look at the, the roster for the Red Wings and you go, okay, who's the captain? It's Larkin. And then who's the two assistant, the alternate captains? It's Danny DeKaiser yep. and Mark Stahl. And they're defensemen yep. and they can't play the, the, the they can't be uh, uh, talking to the forwards about scoring. You know, right. so the, they, they, need, they need a guy up front that can help them, you know, who's the leader behind Larkin. And they yeah. don't have that yet. They really don't. I mean, you look at all these guys, I mean, because they're all in development right now. They're all in development. You got, you know, Ernie, he, he really can't be a leader. Fabry, you don't think he's a leader either. I mean, Ghani is the only person you could possibly say, but, you know, he doesn't play every day. And the Mastikoff, you got Rasmussen. You know, Rasmussen should be that guy. You know what, though? I don't think so. I just, I just don't see that coming from him, even when I watch him on the ice. Again, I think, I think he's just got his own challenges and struggles going on that – Maybe he could be that guy in the future, but I don't see him being that guy this season. Yeah, the the the, the, the current season, that's what we're talking about. And yeah. Right now, I don't see one on the roster. No, no. I think probably Sam Gagne is their best shot. That's their best. And that's, yeah. that's, but it's, it's weak. I think what Steve Eisman's got to look at going forward is a guy who can be that step-up guy for, you know, who's going to be his Shanahan, you know? Right, right. Who's going to be his Datsu? Who's going to be yep. his his, uh, his Drapes, his McCarty? You know, that's the guy that you kind of – they have assertiveness, and they show how you you you, you play the game. And that's some you know a lot of those players that we've named. They're so inconsistent that they can't really be the leader that you would ask them to be, anyways. Well, I think you nailed it right there, and that is the consistency factor. Yep. You know um, that you have to have a guy who's reliable You're, and steady. I like what Bill Belichick once said, and Scotty Bowman echoed this comment. He actually got it from Scotty Bowman. Mm-hmm. Was your best leader has to be your best performer, and he has to show that how it's done. And that's something that, you know, if you look at all the wrestling players that are on the forward group, there's not much consistency besides besides Bertuzzi, and he's like we said, we don't think he's a leader. Yeah, he's just I don't I think he's just not that guy. I think he's you know. Tyler reminds me a lot of Darren McCarty in that he's scrappy, he can make plays, and he's more of a team guy. Like, he knows his place, and he knows his role, and he does it well. Um, You know, those are the same characteristics that I think Darren had, um, and I think Darren will tell you that. uh, But I don't think, you know, Bert is a step-up kind of a guy. You can even tell, you know, the fact that his decision he made, even with the COVID decision, which the vaccine decision, which I, by the way, uh, applaud him for, but... He is he is the guy who may buck the trend, not the guy who's going to lead the trend. That's that's one. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good that's, that's a good that's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah, uh, that's the one thing I think they need to look at, look at going forward. I think. Yeah. You look at it, all the teams across the league uh, in the NHL. I mean, like you know, you got Stamkos and Tampa Bay, but then who's the guy who steps up after him? Kucherov, Braden Point. Uh, you know, you got a bunch of guys in Tampa Bay that will step up. Yeah. You know, you get in, in Pittsburgh. You got 
Oh, you got Crosby. And then you got Malkin. Mm-hmm. And then you got Gensel. And it's like, okay. I mean, even Boston, like, they have guys that will step up if Bergeron's not there. I mean, that's just, all the good teams have that sky. The depth and the leadership. Leadership's yeah. so important. People don't yeah. understand, but, like, you know, what Kent Holland did with, with Detroit, you know, he just got in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. What he did in Detroit was absolutely unbelievable. The weight, the consistency. It's hard to be consistent and be a winner and be, like, in the mix every year. That's so hard to do. Right, I yeah. Mean, I mean, even the great – every great coach will tell you, like, the Mike Krzyzewskis of the world, Tom Izzo's, Bill Belichick's, the Popovich's, the Bowman's. They'll tell you the hardest thing to do is consistently win – but when you have consistently win, you usually have the leaders to do that. Well, and you know who has consistent quality, Joe? Who? Wild Bills. Very good tobacco products. Yeah. Very good tobacco products. Because they're great no matter where you get them. doesn't matter. There's 150 locations. You're still going to get the best quality, and they are consistent. Perhaps the Red Wings should learn a little bit from Wild Bills. Be consistent in your quality like that, and uh, then they'll find their leader. Their second leader. I will tell you who's really consistent, and that is the guy in East Lansing and how he prepares his football team. We will talk about Michigan State and um, Mel Tucker's extension in the next segment. Join us. Yes. Well, Cindy, you know what that means. What does it mean, Joe? We're talking Michigan State. Yeah, of course we are. Go green. Listen, it's pretty big that, you know, they have paid the freight to uh, keep Mel Tucker here as the coach from MSU. Well, I would have serious doubts about the intellect at Michigan State if they didn't do what it took to keep Mel Tucker because I can't think of any better investment to make than in that coach. Right. You know, people are going to say, like, oh, man, they, they, they really paid the freight for him. But, you know, this is what big college football programs do. Yep. And when you got uh, jobs like USC, you have jobs like LSU opening. Mm-hmm. You've got to lock your guy down because if you got a guy, you got to lock him down. And eventually, you're going to have to pay him anyways. So yeah. let's just get it over with. He's having a great year. He's in year two, and he's doing what he's doing. I mean, he rebuilt that roster so quickly. I mean, they were two and six last year, and they're in the mix for a college football playoff. They got a big game against Ohio State this week. I don't really think they'll win, but, you know, this is early in Tucker's, Tucker's regime, and he's – really just putting his stamp on it. And he really – the thing about Tucker that makes him different from coaches is he came from the Nick Saban tree. Mm-hmm. There is no better person in college football to learn off than Nick Saban. And you know, yeah. you know there's there's four coaches right now that are in the college football playoff race. Mario Cristobal, Kirby Smart, Mel Tucker. Where did they all come from? Nick Saban's coaching tree. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, one of the things I really like about Mel Tucker is he reminds me, he coaches a lot like Joe Gibbs, you know, one of the best, you know, coaches ever. Um, and that is he subscribes to the theory of he needs the right players, not necessarily the best players. Because if he takes the right players, puts them in the right place, they become the best players yep. for that organization. And that is what Mel Tucker can do. He just identifies these guys. 
goes and gets them yep. and then develops them and, and puts them where they need to be. So just tremendous vision. He's just a great visionary guy. And um, that's one of the things I love about Mel Tucker. And, you know, they're talking about paying him $95 million, right, for about for a 10-year extension. Yeah. Um, which I think he's it's well worth it because how much do you think Michigan State's going to make a loan just this year alone? Oh, he, yeah, over a hundred million. Over a hundred million. Yeah, he, he's going to make his his ten year paycheck in the year. Yeah, but they've done a statistics on this. Like when you have a good football program or a good basketball program, college yeah. football, basketball, they rule the date. You know, you get more applications to the university. Tuition goes up because people are there's more people applying. Right. It puts you in the big boy table. You know, you know, like there. It's very rare too. This is one of the rare things about Michigan State. It's very rare to have a top basketball program and a top football program. You know, in the state of Michigan, we have two teams, two uh, two new universities that display that. You know, University of Michigan basketball is good. Their Michigan football program is really, really good. You know. On heck, look at their hockey programs. Right. Both have excellent hockey programs. Right. So, yeah. these universities are, football rules the day, though. Oh, so for sure. Football, in college, for sure. Football drives the, the revenue for the athletic yeah. department. It, it drives the, the, you know, the you you get four four hours a week where you're you're, it's free publicity for you guys. Right. So you know it, it was kind of it was kind of weird because, you know, what Rico said on the ninety seven one the ticket the yesterday was you know President Stanley was saying that he 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 was trying to hold up negotiations so because. You know, he wanted to think on the best interest of the university, and I think that's bullcrap. Well, how could it not be in the best interest of the university to resign Mel Tucker? And quite frankly, give him whatever he wants within reason. You know, what happens, I think, sometimes, you know... You're, he, you're a political person. Yeah. What happens with ego? Oh, gosh. We don't have egos in politics. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? No, and it's funny you should say that because that's all it is, is ego. You know, it, it, and you quite frankly have to have somewhat of an ego to take all the arrows that get slung at you every day, you know? Mm -hmm. So you got to have some sort of a suit of armor on you. But um, so, yeah, you deal with a lot of big egos all the time. And I think that you've got two big egos in those two guys kind of going head to head. And actually, I don't think Mel Tucker has that big of an ego, but he certainly is a huge, huge impact and a huge factor at Michigan State. So I think what might have happened mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, the president of Michigan State got a, just got an extension mm -hmm. recently, and I think Mel Tucker's extension will probably overshadow more, more his fist. in a huge way. And, you know, that smarts a little bit, you know. I mean, the president of the university, you know, this guy's a football coach, you know. So, but um, I, I think if, if they're being pragmatic about it, they have to say that's a good thing. And from strictly a, um, oh gosh, I'd say a, a PR perspective, um, what, what the president of the university needs to do is he needs to get well on board the Mel Tucker train. And he needs to ride that and put the ego aside and be the you know, biggest advocate for Mel Tucker he can be because that's where the public sentiment's at the university. So Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, it was, I always go back to this. You know, if Alabama's president's in a meeting and Nick Saban calls, he's leaving that meeting. Right, right. Because Nick Saban rules that day. You know, it's when Tom Izzo comes out for you and vouches for you, like Tom Izzo is MSU. Like he is, he just is. Yeah. Like he is well, he's a, synonymous with He's it. the yes. face of Michigan State. For sure. Because and when he comes out and vouch for you, 
I mean, you, may, you might, might as well have the president of the United States start vouching for you because right. <laughs> Tom Izzo is the leader that that, that... that. Well, maybe not this president of the United States. That might right. be a little... You might not want that endorsement because he might not, you know, know who he actually endorsed. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know... Uh, poor guy. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta oh, wonder about him. He's like, you know, he needs a little note pinned to his shirt, you know, just to remind him how to get home. But um, that's okay. <laughs> but not Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker knows where home is. Yep. He's committed to Michigan State University. He has outperformed every expectation, and I think that Michigan State really has absolutely no room to challenge anything. Uh, that Mel Tucker might ask for. And I don't think Mel Tucker's being unreasonable. I think the president of the university needs to quit the slow walk, get on board, get it done. Yep. And, you know, you know, credit goes to Mark D'Antonio because Mark D'Antonio showed that you can win at Michigan State consistently. Yeah. You can be a player in, in, in the national scheme. You know, that's one of the things that people worried about with Michigan State football is can I win there, you know? And Mark D'Antonio showed that you can win there, and Mel Tucker is going to take it to new heights. I, per, I firmly believe that. I do too. And I think it wouldn't surprise me out of these 10 years. It wouldn't surprise me if he makes it to the Big Ten Championship, five out of the 10. Right. Uh, I think there's a legacy starting here, and it's only going to get better from here. Sure, he's going to have and, off years. And, and, you know, but yeah, he's going to have off years. But like overall, the reality is he's a rock star. The reality situation is, I mean, what's better than starting your own dynasty? That's right. There's, there's nothing better than that. I mean, right. I think, you know, you look at the the greats of college football. Bear Bryant, what he started at Alabama, yeah, a contender. You know, Duffy Doherty with Michigan State. He he was the guy who won national championships at Michigan State. That yeah. was a long time ago, but th those are guys that you look at and you go, they started a dynasty. They had left a legacy too. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Michigan State. They have two guys that want to leave a legacy of greatness, and that's Tom Izzo and Mel Tucker, and that's. Great for the university, the state, you know, Michigan State. Spartans are, they've got some great, great leadership now in, in their athletic program. And uh, I cannot wait to see what happens. Go green, go white. And uh, all my Spartan friends out there, we're taking over. Yeah, I think Michigan State has firmly put themselves on the big boy table in terms of college football. Like they, they, they literally said, you know what, we're going to pony up. LSU can go kick rocks. USC can go kick rocks. We stay in here. We're going to try to take over the big time. This is our shot. You betcha. The they, epicenter is now East Lansing. And that's what you want. Next, we will talk about Tigers and their free agency. But just join us because hopefully they can sign someone. Because Justin Verlander just signed in Houston. Dang it. But if you want to, you know, enjoy some smoke, not just free agency smoke, please go visit Wild Bills and all their locations across the state. I'm sure there's one in East Lansing because I know for a fact Mel Tucker enjoys cigars. And I'll bet he's gone to Wild Bills. Actually, I know he has. Yeah. Yep. We will see you in the next segment. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. You're welcome. We're welcoming you back because, you know, obviously you can visit us. You can find us on Spotify and YouTube and Facebook. Anywhere you want to stream it. So many places to listen and watch us. You can't help yourself. It's awesome. You know what, though? Tigers, they start for agency. They, they signed Eduardo Rodriguez. You know what? I really like that signing because, one, it was a bargain signing. Yeah. And 
he's got very, very big upside because if you pitch in Fenway, if mm-hmm. you pitch in uh, Camden Yards, yep. if you pitch in Yankee Stadium, what he, he pitches in a lot because he was in the AL East, yeah. you're going to be prone to high ERA at those at those spots. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just it's easy to get a home run out of that spot. And then you were playing Tampa Bay, who was one of the best offensive teams last year. Yeah, so that's a tough division to be in. Well, and we needed some starting pitchers in the rotation because we really didn't have any veteran presence there. We've got a lot of good potential. We've got a lot of good arms, young arms coming up, but yep. you really needed somebody to help guide those arms. I really was hoping it was going to be Justin Verlander. I'm actually quite surprised and very disappointed that it isn't because I think he would have been a tremendous fit, especially with it being Miggy's last year. Yep. I would have thought for sure that Justin Verlander would have wanted to come back home, even for a year for that reason, but um, not to be, at least not yet. Um, so, you know, hey, maybe there's some magical trade will happen. Who knows? You never know what happens in the offseason, all this crazy stuff. But what I am really excited about, or I think Rodriguez is a good is a good pickup. I think we still need another arm in there, another veteran arm. But which one am I excited about, Joe? You know which one I'm excited about. He's coming. You're so excited about Carlos Correa you potentially bet. coming here to Absolutely. Detroit. And I said that too, you know, back well months ago. You know, I said on the show that I wanted Carlos Correa because we have a big hole in the middle out uh, infield that needs to get filled. And I think that he would absolutely be a fantastic fit for Detroit. He takes care of that position play as well as, you know, he can hit the ball. So, you know, he's got a bat and he's got the glove for the middle infield. I, I, I think, you know, that fits very nicely in the rebuild. I like how he really just took himself out of the position to go to the Yankees, too, because he, he said Derek Jeter didn't deserve a gold glove. I'm pretty sure you can't put him in a Yankee uniform. Yeah, that might be a little harsh. That might be a little harsh but for may, him. Maybe he did that on purpose. Um, Perhaps. But, you know, Carlos Curry would be a great ad, and it would show yeah. that they're, like the Mel Tucker signing from Michigan State, it would show that they're committed to winning not just now, but in the future. Yeah, they're going to have to open up the checkbook. There's no doubt about it. So you may as well open up the checkbook for some guys who are really worth you know, the return on investment. And I think that Carlos Correa, just with all the value that he brings, that he's well worth the investment that the Tigers are going to have to make. Because they're going to have to invest in somebody. And my understanding is that they're willing to do that. Yeah, I think that I think they have to, they have to go after a guy like Carlos Correa because it shows that they want to win. And, you know, A.J. Hinch is more likely to stick around if they show that they want to win big time. Yeah, and I think, you know, they've got talent, you know, coming out in the outfield as well. You know, they've got a couple good outfielders. I think they could still probably stand to add another one there. I think maybe, you know, even looking to third base, they might want to even yeah. look to make some change there. Uh, I think that's another area of improvement that's that's well, open. I, I expect Riley Green to come up, up to the big club next year, and I think he's going to be a superstar. I, I really do think he's going to be a superstar. But when you add a guy like Carlos Correa, and then you have a potential of a superstar in a young Riley Green, I think that could bode well for the rest of the lineup, like the Kiel Badus, the Miguel Cabreras, all those guys that, you know, Miguel is not what he once was, but when he if he has talent around him, I think he could turn back and do that. Oh, absolutely. And I think he's proven last season that, you know, he's he's still got a he's still a power hitter. Yeah. I mean there's just no doubt about it. I mean, even if, you know, he lacks in other areas or, you know, he's starting to slow down in other areas, who cares? I mean, he's really the only serious bet we've got. I mean, Akil Badu's got possibilities. He's got a heck of a lot of potential. He's got a tremendous start. 
But do, does he have the reliability? Not quite yet. I, you know what I loved? I loved the trade for Tucker Barnhart. I yeah. Th- I thought that was the biggest. I thought that was one of the biggest moves they can make because, you know, it's very, very important for a young pitching staff to have a veteran catcher. Yeah, that's because they know the they know the game. They could kind of walk them through it. Like, listen, you should do this a little bit. Maybe pitch this guy a little bit inside. You know, go outside a little bit. Veteran catcher. You know, we talk about with the Red Wings. Like, you know, you need leadership at all levels. Yeah. So if you got a guy like, uh, you know, if you have Barnhart behind the plate, then you get a guy like Carlos Correa, and Miguel Cabrera in infield, and then you look at it like a Riley Green, maybe like a a, a Robbie Grossman, a Kiel Badu in the outfield yeah i mean that just that's a good that's a good set of leadership and then you get you add eduardo rodriguez to the, the pitching staff that's very very good for um the, the tigers because that's what you need to build championship teams yeah they've got to get they've got to build some depth yep. they have to uh you know they don't only need it and always you know the bullpen has always been a challenge for the tigers but always I think, always i think they but have, I, think, I was about to say I think they're making tremendous strides there in making getting some depth in their bullpen. Now they need a little more depth in their in their position players. Yeah, and that's 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 fine. But you know, yeah. they're they're trending in the right direction for sure. They are. Let's just hope. My the only thing I'm concerned about, and I hope it doesn't happen, is that I hope it doesn't take AJ Hinch so and the team so long to start picking up the momentum into the season. Yeah, you know, it really took them deep into the season last, to get last, it started. Last year they they, yeah. kept, they screwed the pooch because they the, the first. Uh, month of the season was really bad, really, really bad, right. and they were playing catch up the whole year. And you can't start like that. That's the yeah. That's my fear. My fear is that it takes them too long to get the momentum started. Let's hope that they can continue the momentum mm-hmm. at the end of this season, picking up into the beginning of next season, because I think they need that to kind of hydro boost them up into um, into playoff contention, or at least into the wild. Yeah, Jeff Blashill says something similar to that with the yeah. in regards to the Red Wings, and I think it's I think that bodes well with what you said about the Tigers. Is you know you got to start fast in these leagues because if you start slow, you you're in an impossible position where you got to play perfect ball all the way. You know we see in Atlanta do it this year where they kind of they were just inching along a little bit and then they finally caught their strides, but that doesn't really happen every year. Well, it puts a lot of pressure on the organization and a lot of pressure on the individual players because, you know, now, you know, everything is a have to. Like you said, you have to play perfectly, you have to execute, you have to catch lucky breaks. And one little thing then throws off kind of that, um, you know, that mojo. And so it's just really, really tough to be fighting uphill. All the, for the last half of the season. And uh, you're right. It's very rare that an organization would do that. I mean, we saw the St. Louis Blues do that when they won the Stanley Cup Finals. You see it in hockey a lot. You but it's still you, tough. You really don't see it in, like, uh, baseball. Yeah. You really don't see it in, like, uh, basketball. I mean, sometimes you see it in football and hockey. Those are two sports that you can see a guy, like, a, a team get in the wild card or a team get in the playoffs barely, and then they t- they make a run. Yeah. I mean, that, that happens. But in baseball, it's, it's – you know, it's a long season, but you have to get started early. That way, if you do have injuries that, you know, go through the season, you can kind of navigate through them, you know? Right, right. So that's what I'm going to be looking for from the Tigers next year. And I'm anxious to, you know, get my, you know, name my breakout player for next season. So I'm anxious to see what my choices are. Because I did call Akil Badu, called him on day one. You did. And, yep. Uh, yep, so I'm, I'm looking to be, I'm one for one. I want to be two for two. 
I think that I already have my breakout player because I think he's going to make the team, and that's the Riley Green. But we'll get to that when that time comes because we don't really know what the roster is going to be, and that's going to be the deciding factor. I just had to take the, the another opportunity to point out how right I was, Joe. Yet again. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you were you were right. Um, I love that so much. What's a play that hit rewind and play, rewind and play? I don't know. How to... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah. you're right about Akil Badu. Hopefully yeah. we can name another guy and hopefully he bursts on the scene too. That'd be great. That'd be outstanding. Well, this has been a good show. Always is. You got through it. I did. I did. I'm going to go crash now. Now you need to go crash. Yeah. We will see you next week as we probably going to be taping on Tuesday. Yeah, we want to make sure to get in those uh, that good pre-Thanksgiving Day Lions show in yeah, before, with plenty of time to make fun of them. Before you go out to the bar on Wednesday, <laughs> right. we will definitely get you in tune with all of Detroit sports. We are your hometown team between the whistles, Detroit. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And we will see you next week. See you then. This goes out to all my Livonia Franklin football players who are preparing to play Warnie LaSalle this week. You guys have had an amazing year so far. Should be really, really proud of yourself. Should be really proud of everything that you've overcame, the obstacles, the people that were have been doubting you. You guys have done a great job. Coach Calvert's done a great job. Coach Calvert has done a fantastic job at doing what he's been able to do. I'm very, very proud of you. I know everyone who's played Livonia Franklin football is proud of you. You have set the example of what Livonia Franklin football players are going to be going into the future. If there's one thing that I can say, Nick Saban had this quote. All I know is if we play well, we control our own destiny in terms of what we do. If you play well, you control your destiny of going to Ford Field. Don't be complacent. Don't be happy of where you are right now. That can come later. You want more. You want the best of your you want the best for yourself. Going into the future, some of you will be college football players. Some of you won't. You always want the best opportunity for yourself. Never settle for what you have right now, for what you want in the future. You guys have had a great year. You guys are going to play your ass off against Warren Sale. I know a lot of you have worked your ass off to get where you're at at your senior year. I'm I know Coach Cover has pushed you to the brink sometimes, but Coach Cover is a great coach. He's a great leader of men. He has produced a lot of great men that have came through the same locker room that you're in right now. Everything that he's told you, everything the coaching staff has told you, listen to them. They know what they're talking about. Listen to them. You will take these lessons that they have taught you through this football season and you'll take it for the rest of your life. Every football player that has played at Franklin, we are rooting for you. We are rooting for you. I'm sure the whole city of Livonia is. Go out there. Be Warren D. LaSalle. Let's go to Ford Field. Go Patriots.